0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure on postwrestling.com. And I'm Martin Bushby and here with me as always is the youngest in charge, Andrew Thompson. Andrew, thanks to Nate Milton. I kind of feel like that's your nickname now.
1: Nate Nate, Nate definitely blessed me with one of the greatest nicknames uh, to, to to ever come through the Post Network. I appreciate Uncle Nate. Uh, But yeah, Martin, it's always a pleasure being here with you, my man, and uh, we have a very, very, very special guest uh, with us today, a man who just came off a very successful weekend media-wise and got to enjoy some good grabs in person. Uh, Martin, we, we have the man himself. SP3 joining us from Sports Kita, also from the True Hill Heat platform. They have their own Patreon and YouTube that everybody should go subscribe to. He does weekly uh TV reviews from everything involved in professional wrestling. Uh his, his, Sid, Sid is uh affiliated with the man himself True Hill JJ, uh one of the funniest people out there, man. Uh <laughs> Sid, Sid, I appreciate you joining us, man, and uh you know taking the time out your day to come do this.
2: I am very grateful to be here, honored, privileged to be here with. Andrew the one that one of the the best people in wrestling media honestly I tell that to everybody not just when he's around and Martin we we got to chop it up before we start recording I'm already loving loving talking to you I gotta go over to Sheffield and uh chop it up but I am glad to be here you know I had Andrew cross the forbidden door to True Hill Heat YouTube channel hilarious (laughs) episode where uh top guy JJ ripped through Booker T for his takes so uh <laughs> uh, I'm I'm glad to walk through the forbidden door the other way to post wrestling and join you guys on your great platform and ready to talk some Ring of Honor, which I am I I like to call myself a, a lifer, a, a ROH lifetime fan. So I'm glad to be talking about this
0: no we appreciate you taking the time out mate, and, uh stepping through that forbidden docks. So, now you're a very very busy guy i mean great that we you know you managed to make time for me and andrew because you've been everywhere recently aren't you You were live at uh, full gear and then this past weekend live at survivor series how, how were the live shows for you
2: uh it was stressful one because my, my first job in life is a father i have uh I have twins that are about to be two years old. So God bless my uh, significant other, my wife, uh, Tia. Shout out to her if she's listening because she had to deal with the kids for two weekends in a row while I went to these wrestling events. But uh, Minneapolis was a lot of fun for full gear. Got to interact with a lot of uh, wrestling media as well as a couple of the wrestlers from AEW. Got to take in a fantastic show, one of the best shows of the year one of the best shows in aew history with full gear and then this weekend got to do my first wwe media day which i was very nervous yet excited for uh got to meet a lot of people that i admire during that and uh then survivor series yesterday which was a pretty good show i mean unless you wanted the rock to show up and then you just left uh (laughs) disappointed
1: Say, that you, you got some really, uh, you got some really great interviews. I think everybody should definitely go check those out. Uh, Sig have pulled some interviews with Jeff Hardy. Uh, he pulled some interviews with Xavier Woods, Alina Vega, uh, Rhea Ripley. Some some really great content up on the Sports Kita YouTube channel. Man, you did a great job.
2: Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that coming from you because I consider you one of the best interviewers in the game. So I really appreciate you saying that. And yeah, definitely go to uh, Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel. All of those uh, interviews are up right now. My The latest one was with Reggie from uh, the media day. So those are all up there. I talked to King Woods about his next goals after becoming king of the ring. Talked to Jeff Hardy about uh, what he would like to accomplish in wrestling, what's left for him, including a reunion with Matt in AEW. So a lot of good stuff from uh, those interviews. Very proud of those. So ch- check out Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel for that, as well as Smack Talk after SmackDown and AEW Rampage with me ricky Uccino and dutch mantel as well as the monthly pay-per-view preview so like the stuff that i'm doing for sports here wrestling and something i'm proud of so appreciate you saying that
0: man yeah you should definitely be proud of it mate i mean like i said at the top i mean one of the busiest men going in uh, in this podcasting business so yeah th- yeah thanks again for coming on because you know it, at the top there they, um, we're going back to 2005 to talk ring of honor final battle and I just wanted to get a sense of you guys first, where your fandoms were at in 2005. Um, I think we'll go with you, Sid. I mean, where were you at wrestling fandom-wise way back in 2005?
1: 2005
2: was interesting for me because I remember, like, two of the guys that I actually do the True Hill Heat YouTube channel with were in my high school. And I remember, like, the early portion of 2005, we were like, they liked Batista, And I like John Cena and we were both like saying, oh, this guy's (laughs) going to be the man. This guy's going to be the man. So when we both, they both won at WrestleMania, it would all be, that was like the conversation as far as like wrestling would be as far as when I went to school and eventually Mm -hmm. John Cena won that, that debate. So I won that debate. So I'm happy about that, (laughs) but like sort of like the, the summer after like the edge and Matt Hardy stuff uh, finished up their feud, I started to get really uh, just like okay, WWE, uh, it, it's been real. Uh, I'm not really feeling it as much, and I had already like a couple of months earlier in 2005 discovered like Bring of Honor. I saw Joe versus Punk too. Was the first match that I ever saw, so mm. I was like doing more. Like as the months went by, I would watch like another match that was got a lot of buzz or praise, or I would watch the little weekly stuff they would put on ROHWrestling.com. Um, So, like, my love and appreciation of Ring of Honor at this point in 2005 is growing. It's it's kind of like a seed that has just been planted, has been watered, and it's starting to flourish and grow. Where in 2006, it would really, like, grow even bigger to the end of the year, I finally went to my first Ring of Honor event. So, this was a good time as far as my wrestling fandom.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, And I was about to say, yeah, Martin, uh, you and I have uh, spoke, about, spoke about this uh, quite a few times when we've done gone, gone back and reviewed some of these shows from the early 2000s. I was like, so, sort of uh, getting get, get my, my TNA fandom going on around this time period. It was becoming a big TNA guy. And then, of course, for Ring of Honor and for the New Japans, it was more so, I would say, like 2015, 2016. And when I would go back and, you know, you'd be able to see some of this stuff and just really immerse myself uh, in, in some, of the, some of the stuff that was going on in the early 2000s
0: yeah and a lot of it's uh free on youtube as well so it's pretty good that you can go back especially that uh tna stuff because um yeah 2005 was a big wrestling year for me as well i think i watched the most wrestling i'd ever watched that year i also think i was single for most of that year so there's a there's a link there because <laughs> <laughs> we had a uh, international showdown which was a big event in the uk in coventry i think that happened around march time that I'd, AJ Styles against Chris Daniels, Joe against Punk, and then uh, Miss Sour in the Sixth Man. So that was pretty special to have that, you know, on your doorstep. And uh, yeah, I was watching the wrestling channel that we had over here most days, recording stuff off there. I remember watching all the TNA and the WWE pay-per-views every month, buying tons of compilations like Paul London, Please Don't Die, and even finding like the most random compilations on AJ Styles and in, in TNA Wild Side, some like, you know, real deep cuts like that. Uh Yeah, I think AJ and Loki were easily my two favorites in 2005. And we even had a promotion called 1PW Startup in Doncaster, near to where I live. And, you know, it it all went shit for the company, you know, spent a bit too much money bringing on imports and then the numbers didn't quite add up for them. But for me at the time, I had AJ Styles, Loki, the like, virtually on my doorstep. So I didn't care about their business practices and Yeah, I was just saying to uh, Sid off air, I mean, Loki must have seen me coming a mile off. I'm sure he got about 45 quid out of me for two T-shirts and a picture. So, yeah, uh, I don't even know if I still own those two T-shirts. But, yeah, uh, Loki certainly uh, (laughs) saw me as a bit of a money mark on that day. But, But, yeah, so as far as fandom goes in 2005, yeah, it was mainly indie wrestling, but probably the most wrestling I'd ever watched before, sort of like the Brit rest boom in 2012. Well, i suppose before we get into uh into the the main promotion we're gonna be talking about um should we dip in some other wrestling that was happening in december of o five i mean uh you mentioned john cena there he was on his first title runners champion after beating j b l at wrestlemania twenty one introducing the uh title that was uh, you know Quite divisive among fans, the uh the spinner WWE title. Um, he'd just beaten Kurt Angle at Survivor Series. The other main event of that show was a uh, was Team Raw a big show. Carlito, Chris Masters, Kane, and Shawn Michaels losing to the team of SmackDown, Batista, Bobby Lashley, JBL, Randy Orton, and Ray Mysterio. Where uh, Andrew, many memories of uh, WWE in two thousand and five. The spinner title, John Cena. You know, uh, finally reaching the pinnacle and uh, beating JBL at WrestleMania twenty one
1: about to say it's hilarious because uh how i proposed that you know you just mentioned the survivor series show survivor series just happened uh last night as we're recording this uh but that 2005 survivor series i actually still have that dvd uh it's, on, it's somewhere in my room right now uh i remember that very fondly i think that was the uh well, what was it that the show when undertaker came back and he like yes. confronted randy Orton yeah. at the end of the survivor series yeah that was uh that was quite 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 the uh the the moment back then uh for, for young andrew uh but yeah, I was thinking about some other moments for that show. I think it was Triple H and uh, Rick Flair on that show. Um, yeah, Cena versus Kurt Angle. It, it, it was it was a uh, qu- quite a few things going on back then. But uh, that definitely some uh, some fond memories uh, going back to 2005 from uh, f- from that specific time period as far as WWE goes.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, um, over in Japan. Uh, and uh, Brock Lesnar had won the IWGP title in October, beating uh, Kazuyuki, Fujita, and Masachono. Uh, I think WWE were trying to slap Lesnar with the restraining order because obviously he'd just come off his uh, yeah, failed football were. company. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> they definitely were.
0: Because <laughs> he had he had two non-title victories, I think, against Nakanishi and Nagata, and then he even went on to face N- Nakamura at the January 4th show in uh, 2006. Um, I've seen these Lesnar in New Japan matches, but they've long faded into the memory. What about you, Sid? Is, is um, do you, do you have much memory of uh, Lesnar winning the IWGP title?
2: I'm more for yeah the Controversy that came out Of it mm-hmm. like just uh, uh Universally panned Is a term that uh, would Fit very nicely with how Brock Lesnar in New Japan was uh, Reacted to and you would think That a guy his size that can move Like him the Japanese fans would Love him but this was a time where His love of wrestling was Starting to fade and it never Came mm-hmm. back before he even came back to Wrestling but uh, this was <laughs> <laughs> when it started to fade away from him, and I think that the New Japan fans could tell that, and that's why it was really uh not not uh greeted with the best response from anyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, ma- he made right? uh, he made Shinsuke cry after that IWGP World Heavyweight Title match too. <laughs> that's uh, I think that was after I think Shinsuke wrote that in his book, and um, it, it was just more so Shinsuke felt like Brock didn't care about the belt, and Shinsuke have like he. He, he he was sort of entered towards it. Like he, his perspective, he just cared so much and he knew Brock really didn't care at all. So like for him to go out there and have a rough match and for it not to be received well. And then on top of that, knowing that Brock really wasn't in it the way he was in it. As far as the IWGP heavyweight title goes, he said it brought him to tears. I was like, damn Shinsuke you let Brock, get, Brock Brock take you to that point, man. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. That was a, that was a money grab from Lesnar. Weren't it? And possibly oh, the time was hardly the highest, highest thing yeah. at the time either. Um, Moving on to a Japanese promotion who were uh, pretty hot at the time, Pro Wrestling Noah, who are were, um, were obviously going to be a large part of the show we're covering today. I mean, they won promotion of the year in, in the Wrestling Observer of that year, you know, thanks to matches like Masawa um, against Kawada and Kabashi against Sasuke from Destiny and loads more. I mean, Noah had a fantastic uh, in-ring year in, in 2005. Um, I was watching a lot of this stuff on the Wrestling Channel. And, uh, I mean, um, Sid, did you have a chance to check out much Noah in 2005? Outside of the ring around the stuff.
2: Well, it was more in like 2006. I w- I discovered mm. pro wrestling Noah, and it was thanks to the partnership with Ring of Honor. Like I I loved Kenta at this time. Like I was like I've never seen a wrestler kick another person as hard as Kenta kicks people, and that's why I'm gonna love talking about the the match in the main event. Now uh, Marafuji was another one that I really enjoy Masawa. So yeah, all those guys and them coming over to Ring of Honor made me more interested. And Noah made me go back and watch some of like the classes with Kobashi and Masawa and just really have an appreciation for Noah. I feel like Noah kind of carried uh, Japanese wrestling at a time where in this period, like we just talked about, with Brock going to New Japan and them trying other stuff. It wasn't a good time for New Japan. So Noah was the leader in Japanese wrestling.
0: Yeah, definitely. But um, last but not least, uh, Andrew, we're up then TNA. Obviously we had the infamous Styles v. Daniels v. Joe 3 UA match in September, and they had a cracking X division at the time. Um it's funny because obviously TNA played uh, fast and loose about, you know, their guys still being allowed to work ROH, but it seemed in 2005, they had quite a strong relationship with, uh, with ROH, you know, the likes of Joe and Daniels um, were allowed to work the promotion at this time. Um, Well, Andrew, I mean, outside of that um, infamous three-way, what other stuff uh, were you enjoying from TNA at this time
1: period? Uh, Primarily just like the X Division stuff. I always felt like the X Division.
0: Yeah, yeah, the X Division was definitely...
1: Yeah, I, I, well, let me just say because I, I know people, I'm doing recording right now. I don't know if y'all can hear this. The people that's recording, I got construction going on outside my house and it is loud as hell. So, Martin and SP3 are doing a great job of trying to cover for me. I, I just want to clear because I was going to keep pausing. So, I just want to know why I just wanted to make sure we got that out the way. But yeah, man, it was primarily just the X Division stuff. Uh, like, I, I was really a big fan of that. Like, at that time, I, I didn't think that I've, like, especially in 2005, bro, I was like, what was that, like eight or nine? Like I I wasn't more so looking at professional wrestling how I do now. It was just more so it just, oh, the moves, oh, what wrestler looks cool, this and that. Mm. And then as I got older, of course, you start to grow like a bigger appreciation for the sport of it and the ins and outs of the business and more so of the, yeah, like I said, the insides of it. But back then I, I had definitely had a different view on professional wrestling. But as I go back sometimes and I watch some of these shows, like even those throwback TNA shows, I get a greater appreciation for what they were able to do in the ring.
0: Yeah, definitely. It wasn't always the greatest, like, main events and stuff that they were putting on, but definitely, um, yeah, the exhibition stuff was uh, shining out. But, um, yeah, should we go on to the show itself? Ring of Honor Final Battle 2005 from the Inman Sports Complex in Edison, New Jersey on the 17th of December. Uh, attendance reported around 600, so... Uh, I mean, leading into this event, the big story is that Brian Danielson has finally won the title, and obviously they've got the uh, relationship with Noah, and uh, we've got Lenny Leonard and Dave Prazak on commentary. Uh, were these um, a favorite combo of yours, uh, Sid?
2: Classic. Classic ROH uh, commentary. Like, when I, when I hear Lenny Leonard... When I heard Lenny Leonard on like Evolve, I, I would always like mark out like, ah, I remember him from the old school ROH uh, DVDs. And then uh, like Zack uh, the same thing with like the Shimmer. He worked with a bunch of different promotions. But I say like this is the most vintage independent wrestling commentary team in, in my lifetime for sure.
0: Yeah, because you were just telling me off air, weren't you, that there, there was, um, you know, you ended up going to a lot of Ringer Honor shows in New York and, and the surrounding area. So after 2006.
2: Yeah, from Final Battle 2006, I went to every New York show up until Glory by Honor 2009, which if if you got ROH lifers uh, listening to this, you would know that's the event where Nigel and Brian Danielson had their final match with each other before they both were supposed to go to WWE, only worked out for one of them. And then I took a year off and then came back and started going to uh, a lot of the events from best in the world 2011 up until final battle 2018
0: what was your favorite show that you attended live then
2: oh that's a very good question um i always will always shout out final battle 2006 because that was the first one i ever went to got to see homicide win the roh world championship which was Mm. a moment um oh man that's a really good question
0: It's a lot of events, isn't it? (laughs)
2: It's a lot of events, but I would say, off the top of my head, Super Card of Honor 2013, that was WrestleMania weekend. And Jay Briscoe beating Kevin Steen for the ROH World Championship. Mm. Just the energy of WrestleMania weekend. You had, you know, the European uh, people from the European countries in the crowd. And just the energy. And no one expected Jay to beat Steen. So when he did that, that just, like, the, the feeling of euphoria in the building was unreal, unmatched. So that's the one that I would say, like, comes to head. Like, Final Battle 2006. Glory by Honor 2009, those are ones that are going to come to my mind because they kind of bookmark my uh, journey with ROH. But when I'm thinking about that, that second half, yeah, like Super Carnival of Honor 2013 is the one that stands
0: out. Yeah, it certainly sounds like a fantastic atmosphere to to be involved in. Yeah, very jealous of that. But um, <laughs> what, what's funny with this show, just talking about the commentary? I mean, if you've never seen this show before and not watched it in a long time, thanks for the commentary and, you know, sort of like the wrestlers in the ring, obviously, most of the stories and feuds are pretty simple to follow. I find, Even if you're completely jumping into this cold, I found that a lot of the uh, storylines and things are quite easy to follow along with Andrew.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely. I think that's a big credit to like, to, like you just said with Lenny Leonard and Dave Prazak, like even, um, even with just recently Lenny Leonard, he was just calling some stuff with, with ring of honor. And he, I think he called the ring of honor women's world championship tournament. And I know he had recently put out a tweet, uh, you know, kind of saying that he didn't have uh much lined up and, you know, he kind of, so somewhat hinted that it could be sort of the end of his career as a commentator, and I know a lot of people jumped in, there and it was like, no, it's not. We're, we're not letting that happen because, like, and this exemplified on this show how great of a commentator he is. And uh, said I actually wanted to ask you, like, just off the top of your head, if you could sort of sum up um the impact that Dave Prazak has had on professional wrestling. Now, of course, we know the stuff that he's done with Shimmer, along with uh, Allison Danger as well. But like, like I I think Dave Prazak is gonna be one of those guys, like. I, I really hope that people do give him his flowers, and he's recognized within wrestling as a whole because he really has contributed such a great deal uh, to, to the sport. Like for you know, coming up on two decades now.
2: Yeah, I mean, at a time where. Like professional wrestling in general wasn't really caring for women's wrestling, and there was a bunch of women women's wrestlers who were on the rise, who were very talented and just didn't have a platform to go. I think Dave Prazak created that with uh, Shimmer, and then you know his work as a commentator was just some great stuff. Like he, a lot of the old school ROH DVDs that I have, it was just him. It wasn't even Lenny Leonard on it. It was just <laughs> it was just Prazak on his own. And to do that, that ability, like, that was something that I really uh, appreciated about Joey Styles when I was a kid with uh, looking at uh, ECW. Mm. And that's what gave me, like, the vibes of ECW with Ring of Honor from when I was watching, like, originally just watching, like, random matches and stuff is that the one commentator, the field, the underground, the dark, the dark setting, it was very Ring of Honor, uh, very extreme championship wrestling feel but it had that feel yet it had wrestling similar to like the late 80s early 90s WCW and WA. so it was like that nice little blend of stuff that you weren't getting at the time from WWE you weren't even getting at the time a lot from TNA because like Andrew said at that time like the exhibition was awesome but yeah. like the thing I realized especially at this time when I'm discovering more and more Ring of Honor and then I'm going through the Ring of Honor uh they used to have like this roster thing this roster page where they show like clips of each person and and they like play their music with it, which is so cool. Cause the music at this time, that was another thing about the show. Like I was just marking out to all the old school, <laughs> all the old school music when they didn't have the licensing problem Hearing all the old school mm-hmm. music. Cause that made me remember that roster video and I'm watching the roster video. I'm like, yo, TNA just stole all the people from Ring of Honor. Like, that's their X Division. Like, I was like, AJ Styles came from Ring of Honor, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, Roderick Shaw. That's all my favorite people in the TNA X Division. I'll just watch Ring of Honor if I want to see. If I just want that, if I just want TNA X Division and I don't like anything else, I used to tell people, just watch Ring of Honor because that's the X Division. That's where they got most of those guys. So, yeah, that that was the, the funny part with that
0: oh yeah definitely um but i suppose getting into the show now uh loki opens us up with a promo saying you know Kenter is one of the best around but he's improved loads um quite the unique voice i always found loki got guy, very uh very serious very deep voice that he is loki got so yeah we open up with that promo and then we're into uh the first match jimmy rave was with prince nana who's quite heavily on this show against milano collection 80 and uh Obviously Prince Nana's all over this show. Um I mean the faction he added was um uh, you know quite prominent on this uh on this card, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean I I loved I love Prince Nana at this time. Uh it's this is my second favorite variation of Prince Nana. My favorite is when he uh he comes back and he's rich because he, he because Obama is president. <laughs> that's my that's my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite Prince Nana, but this was like the peak of the embassy. This was and that's. This uh, points to what you guys were talking about with Prazak and Leonard, where they talk about uh, the feuds that Jimmy Rave had in 2005, because this was really uh, a changing, a changing and a turning point in his career, because he had his feud with Punk, which was a uh, high profile that change that turned CM Punk babyface. Uh, he had his uh, feud with the Generation Next with the uh, Steel Cage Warfare, and I like them talking about that. That was like one of the more the last mm. uh, meaningful shows that they had. Before for this so prince dana was a great uh manager because he always got heat for the guys that he was work that he was working with especially jimmy rave and you saw a little bit of that on the outside with him working with the fans he always he has great interactions with the fans and always gets heat for whoever he's in the corner of
1: yeah man jimmy rave he like when you think about him now He's he's like really going through like a really rough like a real rough patch. I'm pretty sure you guys have seen you know some of the stuff that's going on with him. I think he had uh both of his legs amputated. He had MRSA MRSA infection. Um and Jimmy's only 38 man. Like I I know that I I know that's so that's so rough. And I know he has a um a GoFundMe. Uh, I just wanted to plug that real quick. It's Go go GoFundMe slash uh jimmy rave oh uh, yeah go slash jimmy Ray. so yeah if you go support him i think he's trying to uh raise funds um you know just just to help him out man because i'm sure the medical bills are healed but yeah J- jimmy Ray, just to see him in this man and i get like as soon as i saw him come out it, it immediately made me think of what he's going through now and i can only imagine just like that life transition and like how things are now and how much of an effect that can have on somebody mentally
0: yeah definitely like you said uh completely gone support his a go being obviously it's really sad seeing those stories come out about him Um, The other part of this match, obviously, Milano Collection, he was a part of the Dragon Gate precursor, Toyomon, and then I think he did move to the USA, and he obviously appeared for ROH, TNA, and he was even part of uh, the former Shawn Michaels uh, Wrestling Academy, the uh, Texas Wrestling Academy. I mean, he's now more famous for being part of the New Japan commentary team, but... I, I quite enjoyed this run opener. I thought a quite high-energy crowd really into it. fair amount of sort of high sports, you know, with Ray picking up the win uh, with the greetings from Ghana, which was essentially a, a pedigree. Uh, what were your thoughts on this opener, Andrew?
1: I, I think it was a solid opener, man. Like, Milano Collection, AT. Like, I, I, really, I admittedly haven't seen much of him from, like, his uh, th- during this time period. Like, he was very much still active. Like, um, I'm, I'm really surprised, like, that he didn't, like win anything when he was um when he was a part of New Japan like I think he had that one for the Super Juniors tournament win back in two thousand seven yeah. I think the one that uh, Balor was a part of or that De- David was a part of whichever one you wanna call him um but yeah I, I was really surprised like to find out that he didn't really achieve much in the New Japan and like you said. More so known for what he's doing now, the commentary team, and being uh, a, a, a a big time fan of evil. So, so yeah, that, that's Milano Collection at. But I, I I definitely think this was a it was a solid opener, man. It was fast paced. They 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 picked it up towards the end. Like I feel like it started off. I mean, not 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 everything is gonna um you know jump off right right off the bat. But I, I definitely think towards the end they really picked it up and it made for a solid match. And you know the people came alive for it at the end.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on these two? So.
2: I thought they worked out pretty well with each other I thought it was a solid opener to the show and like Andrew I haven't seen a lot of Milano from when he was wrestling I just see him on commentary being like the, the one Japanese commentator that has like a personality and they get involved <laughs> into this, the stories uh, some with his interactions with like Evil and Hiromu and Shingo and Sonata so uh, I, I like I liked uh, seeing Milano here and he was moving very well uh, Rave Uh, i love i love him stealing other people's moves and they talked about it on commentary (laughs) uh with him using the rave clash which was his his uh bite off of the styles clash from aj styles and now he's using the pentagreed and he's calling it greetings from ghana and i love i love how he used to incorporate ghana and what prince nada brought to his uh his whole character and presentation in his move names
0: yeah, because obviously, for those unfamiliar, Prince Nana' his whole um, gimmick was that he would uh, used his wealth gained from the taxes of people of Ghana to hire <laughs> wrestlers to wrestle his <laughs> opponents and rivals.
1: Perfect. So, to say, there you go. I was to say, Martin. Uh, I was like, you know, this kind of just came to my head. I kind of want to get you and you and see his thoughts about it. But it's kind of, uh, you know, on brand since we had like a uh, it's like several Noah talents on this show. Um, well, what did you guys? so the thing about the announcement of uh the New Japan versus Noah show taking the spot for the third day of Wrestle Kingdom I think it adds um a, 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 a quite quite a bit more interest man I think it is going to entice a lot of people and I I would be I would pay to be a fly on the wall to hear some of these booking decisions about who's going over and who's losing mm. cuz I'm pretty sure that's going to be hilarious
0: well Okada's already been out, hasn't he? And basically just like been like, oh right, yeah. Is, are we having the B promotion? You know, I'm I'm paraphrasing obviously he didn't say exactly that, right. but yeah, he's already been on on, on camera slagging him off, family. not he? Yeah, but certainly, I mean, obviously that you know, if they're doing it for three days needed um he needed some kind of um lightning rod shoving into it. And it seems that they've sorta of done that with this uh with this, you know, Noah versus New Japan show that they're doing.
2: It's weird to me because I think a lot of people wanted the day three of Wrestle Kingdom to be a joint promotion show. Mm -hmm. You just don't think Noah was that promotion that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. They were looking for the one from Jacksonville with the (laughs) orders that uh, people walk through and stuff. But yeah, definitely day three of Wrestle Kingdom needed a hook because you're doing it three days after day two. Um, You're I, after you did the Oscar, so you announced the Osprey match for January 5th, it was like are you going to do another IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match on day three? Like, what are you going to do? Are the junior heavyweights going to be able to main event? At least this way, they have a theme for the show. This is going to attract a whole bunch of Japanese fans that like both promotions. I just wish, mm, I mean, I wish there was, uh, there was other Japanese promotions I would have loved this more for, like uh, Dragon Gate or ajpw uh hmm. i think noah has a has a, a good number of stars that can stand out and can have great matches with the new japan stars but i just feel like there's multiple promotions whether it be there or here that i would have liked to seen in this setting too but i'm excited to see what's going to transpire on january 8th
1: sure. yeah hopefully they like, come like- up
0: with something really interesting
1: uh, like sort of going back to the uh the, the, the Jimmy Ray Milano collection AT did, did y'all hear when um uh, I, I think I think Jimmy had Milano in like a cravat and one and one of the fans got up and yelled, break his neck. You know, there was a lot of that on this show, weren't
0: there? People coming, <laughs> break his arm, break his neck, break yeah. his telephone. Yeah. <laughs> That's these, Jersey.
1: The 2000, these the early yeah. two thousand ROH fans, man, were the, the absolute best. The absolute yeah. best. Very Very best.
0: Well brutal they were yeah uh moving on from that and we've got danielson backstage saying he's not that bothered about marifuji he's already beaten the best from nowhere in new japan and we're on to match that man series. has not aged
1: not a bit martin that man has not aged not a bit did you see did you see him he exactly oh yeah same.
0: he looks like exactly the <laughs> same doesn't he
2: He has not aged a bit, especially when you see him later when he has like the the whole like goatee. He's got the buzz cut. He was like, "Yo, just put a ponytail on top of that," and it's the (laughs) same guy. It's just he has not aged a bit. But I've been saying with his work in uh, AEW, this is the and especially what we saw on Dynamite this past week. That was the closest we seen from this. Daniel this Brian Danielson the American Mm. Dragon that was the closest that we've got to it I loved Planet Champion I loved even you know anger management no instead of yes uh, Brian Danielson but those were kind of gimmicks and him playing into the WWE formula while this is just him being a swarmy uh, narcissistic SOB who believes he's the best in the world and that's the American Dragon that I became a fan of
0: yeah, we definitely he's definitely leaning more into that now, and he, more, the more matches he has in AEW, and the more he sort of like gets comfortable there, yeah, he's definitely leaning into this uh, American Dragon character they used to do back here. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see uh, where we're at this time next year with Danielson and, and Punk and the like. But um, back onto this show, and uh, we've got Colt Cabana against Azriel. Uh Commentary tells us that this was originally supposed to be Homicide against Colt, but uh, Homicide has injured his shoulder and. I'd say, yeah, uh, Sid, Asriel, most famous for being in Special K and his, his kind of work he did with a jersey all pro. But other than that, so a lot, not really the, the greatest wrestler for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I only remember his work really with Special K. Like, I didn't even remember he had this whole singles run like that because he wasn't used that often in, like, 2006 when I was watching a lot of, like, the full ROH shows. I think this was the weakest match of the night, but mm. uh, Cole Cabana, this was at a time where he could pretty much work with anybody and come out with something at least decent. So this this was uh decent for what it was, and it was uh, nice seeing Cole Cabana in the beginning of the homicide uh, feud, because one of like the first DVDs I got for ring of honor was better than the, the best, which was uh, the blow off for the homicide coca rivalry. rivalry.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh,
0: it's an odd match, isn't it though, Andrew? Cause obviously Azriel yeah. seemingly wanting to do a comedy style match, but Colt isn't into it. You know, he's, you know, he didn't really play along. He's even saying to the crowd, expect no mercy, you know? And uh, yeah, it's a bit of an odd match. Yeah. Obviously, Colt wins by smashing Azrael with a lariat for the win. I think they're more concerned with uh, the homicide feud because obviously he comes out at the end with Ricky Reyes and he'd say, you know, he's going to be out for six months. But another name that uh, Homicide was attached to a lot in Ring of Honor was Steve Carino. So it's kind of like that triangle that uh, Homicide's got going on with Steve Carino and and Colt Cabana.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with both of you. I don't think it was the most exciting on the show, that definitely one where you, uh, where you probably on your phone just looking up, looking up and looking down, uh, waiting for it to be over. But the, <laughs> I, I think it was more so focused on the the, the post match with homicide. Uh, I think he had, then he had like yeah, a separated shoulder uh, around this time, and I think he was yeah. uh like like he that's just that's quite said, a few could, injuries, yeah, yeah, and like he, he said uh an expected six six months uh return date or something like that. Like I, I know he tried to avoid surgery. Um, I, I think most of the people around this time, most of the wrestlers around this time weren't even thinking about long-term surgery like that. Cause once you take that time off, you probably lose your spot. And then, you know, that'd be, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that wasn't the most ideal thing, but what, he, I hello think, Nigel McGuinness, when
0: you're talking about <laughs> that, Andrew.
1: Yeah. yeah, man. But, but with Azri, I, I think he wrestled on AEW dark earlier this year. I think he did. I think he teamed with uh, Danny limelight and they faced Kazarian and Daniels. I think it was mm. like, he, he can't, I, I think it was a, it was a little bit of hype surrounding that. I think it, mm. like it got a little bit of buzz, like just seeing him back, um, I don't know if he's like consistently doing anything anymore, but I know he did have um, an AW dark spot early this year.
0: If you say, Andrew, then I'm, I'm going to take that as gospel because uh, you know more about that than me. <laughs> especially when it comes to AW dark, I'll, uh, I'll take your word for it. But um, yes, yeah, so I was moving on from that match and then we've got the pure title match. It's Nigel McGuinness against Claudio Castagnoli. And uh commentary says that this is claudio's first year in roh and i felt pretty old uh, even <laughs> that said i don't know about you i mean obviously he's now more now synonymous as being cesaro but yeah it's fun going watching fun going back and watching him you know when he was claudio in roh
2: i thought i was the only one who felt really old as soon as he made his entrance and then they're talking about oh this is his first year in ring of honor i was just like Man, how old am I? Like, <laughs> like I remember. How old
0: as me, mate?
2: <laughs> I remember when Cesaro had hair and wore way too much clothes to the ring. Um, I but you kind of see the the technical proficiency that he would grow into. Um, he doesn't have the crazy power displays at this point, but he focuses more on like the European catch as catch can uh type of style, and it works really well with Nigel McGuinness. Like, that's why. I said like this match in particular Was the one which made me realize Like this was the time That I kind of really started watching Ring of Honor because I remember This was like Claudio's first feud That uh, he was in when I first Started watching so it's it's Fun to go back in the time machine And go back to the time this is Nigel in in the midst Of his like main uh, His first heel run in the, in the Company which uh, in 2006 it starts to Starts to change when he starts mixing it up with Brian Danielson, but it was cool seeing where both guys were at at this time.
0: Yeah, because um, it's obviously the ROH Pure title is a is a bit controversial. We found some people liked it and some people didn't. Where Where did you stand on it?
2: I was a huge fan of the ROH uh, pure title division because it was something different and it mixed up the Ring of Honor shows a lot. I mean, I I don't know if everybody's like familiar with it, but basically it's more just focusing on technical wrestling, not doing like any type of brawling or anything like that. Close fists are prohibited and you kind of saw that in this match with the two referees. Nigel was doing good at taking advantage of the pure rules and taking advantage of the position of the referee to get away with stuff but the two referees was to avoid that due to their previous matchups that they had with each other but if you use the close fist uh, you got a warning you use a second close fix you're deducted a rope break you only get three rope breaks in their prior title uh, matches so uh, you, use a, you use a rope break to break a submission or a pinfall you lose that rope break after three rope breaks the ropes are in play so someone can make you tap out with your hand on the rope. Or pin you with your foot on the rope, so it gives it a different type of feel, and I think that you know this was a good time for ROH as far as the pure title. But I feel like what Jonathan Gresham did over his mm. year year in change uh, run was yes. even was even better because he the different finishes he was doing the way he would take advantage of the rope breaks uh like like finishing people with submissions in the ropes like I saw it one or twice during this time in Ring of Honor but Gresham was doing it that was like part of his game plan with the pure rules so I love what Gresham did with it but this was kind of the building block for what Gresham was able to do in the past year and year and change
1: yeah, for, for further backing up what uh what SB three said, like the way Gresham goes about the finishes of his matches, it's always something different. He like you saw, you kind of see uh, Danielson um th- like he's doing like the exact same thing. Not saying that they got that from one another, but it just it, it, it was very similar in how in each of their matches they always try to go about a different way of uh of, of winning the match. I always think that's a cool thing. But with, with the Cesaro and uh Nigel McGuinness match, dude, Cesaro throws some of the best uppercuts. Like he still does mm. to this day. And like I I wanted to ask y'all, like, th- th- was Nigel the one that came up with that uh that well, wh- wh- he was was he one of the first people that y'all saw do that spot like where they where somebody falls um through the rope and they bounce back up and come back with the clothes like the rebound clothesline, like I like, I I know I've seen um uh Moxley do that quite often. I don't know, I don't think he's still I don't think he's done it since he's been in AEW, but uh I know O'Reilly did that, Pete Dunne does that. I, I was because I, I think I think Nigel was probably one of the first people that I saw uh, doing that spat. I was just wondering if y'all if, if he was if that was sort of the same thing for y'all. If y'all can remember, yeah,
0: definitely for me, he was one of the first. I've seen it a few other times, but he was the one who sort of like most predominantly used it when I was watching a lot, sort of like around this time period
2: yeah definitely he was i think i think he is the innovator of that of the rebound uh lariat and it, it became to a point especially when he, be- he eventually becomes ring of honor champion that he would just use it way too much like he would, he would, <laughs> he would, he would, he would just use it at nauseum to the point like you're just like all right just finish it's like kind of what like what people complain about with kenny omega and the v trigger that's kind of where the rebound lariat especially in his mm. feud with with morishima and stuff except that he used to beat people with the rebound larry like omega doesn't even beat people with the v trigger he just hits a hundred of them to set up the one ring angel but nigel was finishing people with the rebound lariat after like three or four of them so it was kind of ridiculous
1: after a while martin but martin before before we get into the next thing we, we, we got to bring this up so Cesaro comes like every time we go back and watch one of these ROA shows, or every time I go back and like see, see some clips and stuff, like ring them on they off the post stuff on their YouTube channel. Uh old Claudio casting league matches. But like this dude having the, the gotta have it beat is the greatest shit in the world, bro. This is this is fantastic. <laughs> I bro I love that like I, I know um Jermaine Dufree, they sampled that from um yes, what's that band? Uh Sledgehammer. That yeah, mm-hmm. was, they, they they sampled that from Sledgehammer. bro, the, the, the culture made that SP3. J- jermaine dupree made that beat so it's all coming out to this song is legit the greatest shit ever bro. i will always pop for this every time i hear that that shit is so great <laughs> oh man but uh, this this whole thing like oh his entrance
2: goodness. was the thing that put me in a time machine i was like oh you remember when claudio used to do the hey, the hey all yes. the time <laughs>
1: Oh my God! Hey, 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 bro, I swear, like, like sometimes seeing this stuff, I just wish, like, I so like I, I know everybody can't just be like, oh yeah, you you know leave WWE and you know go do this, but like so sometimes when I see some of these dudes, man, I'm like, man, I I just wish they just had that one last run outside of wwe because i i know they would bring back some of the old stuff that they used to do not trying to rehash it but just like sort of like a, a trip down memory lane type thing like it it would be so cool to see uh cesaro man outside of the wwe bubble but you know i i don't really i don't really see him complaining about the shit so like i'm like you know you know he i don't you know i, I don't know what he thinks about it but you now for some interviews i've seen he seems like you know he he's okay but i'm, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be out bashing the company but like I, I can only imagine like what a run for him would be like, uh, especially in this current landscape where things are starting starting to pick back up even uh in the midst of a pandemic. Like I, I just wonder what that run for him would be like.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people you know, when he did the last uh was it the last contract re signing, a lot of people were hoping that he was gonna be headed elsewhere. But I suppose, you know. Um, I can't imagine Ring of Honor were putting him up in five-star hotels and the like. And, you know, especially yeah. when he was touring yeah, the UK, yeah, yeah, I imagine sure. he was doing a lot of uh, couch surfing. So he's probably thinking back to those times and thinking, actually, this paycheck I'm getting everyone faint too bad. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it would definitely be good to see him sort of like in other scenarios, maybe even sort of like have a one-night-only reunion with Chris Hero and the like. That would be sort of like something bad fantasy. But, but um. Yeah, this this match as um, as you noted earlier is is you know obviously it's all, you know, surrounded about Nigel cheating. So they've got the two refs in, so he can't cheat. And naturally, because it's wrestling, one of the referees gets knocked out so Nigel can cheat again. He even tries doing the Eddie Guerrero spot where you know, with this iron that he keeps ringing out to uh to uh, smash people with, although he throws it to a. Uh, to uh, Claudio, and both the refs are down, so Claudio's just got a weapon there, you know, and so, uh, yeah, it's quite a, quite a fun little match, you know, lots of, uh, sort of, like, you know, McGuinness trademarks in it, and uh, not going to blow your socks off, but I quite enjoyed it for what it was, and, uh, you know, Nigel's always interesting to watch around around this time period, so, yeah, interesting uh, interesting match there, and on to the next one, we've got Steve Carino against Alex Shelley, who's uh, part of uh, Prince Thanos faction, and Can I just get your guys' thoughts on Steve Carino? I remember at the time he was coming over to the UK a fair bit and there was always a lot of people with Carino shirts on and people loved him from ECW and especially that match he had with Dusty Rhodes and the like and never the biggest fan and still not here i never quite got it with carino i was just like ah, he's okay he's just a pale white guy you know but uh other than that <laughs> andrew are you are you were you the big fan of uh of carino here or or have been in his other work in ecw and the like
1: uh no not 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 really a big 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 steam carino guy like especially um suddenly talking about this match it seemed kind of like, like like much like you said about the 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 Nigel uh Claudio match, it wasn't anything that was gonna like blow your socks off. It was kind of just like kind of kind of just wait and see throughout throughout the whole match. It like they were kind of um, it, it it seemed like Carino and, and Shelly were more so just waiting like for the next spat like throughout most of the matches. Like it was even, it was even points where um like Shelly kept looking at uh uh non on the outside and was like waiting for him to um to, to like move around to like bring him a material something like that. It, it was just like. Like this match was just like real, like weirdly paced and, and it didn't seem like things went that smoothly. Uh, but like, just as far as your question goes, I was never like a big um, Steve Carino guy, but I, I I will give him props for the match he recently had. He had a match with his son, uh, Kobe Carino. Um, I think it was an independent promotion. I was actually surprised that WWE let him do that match. But if people if would, if people would do get a chance to go see that, like it's on YouTube for free. It it is a solid match. I don't think it's anything that's going to like you know really like oh my god match of the year. But I think they told a, a solid story with with Steve and, his, and um and his son. But yeah, I ne- never really a big Steve Carino guy. What
0: about you, Sid? Steve, Steve Carino.
1: I
2: like uh, I liked King of the Old School, Steve Carino, mm. at the tail end of uh, ECW. He was just like the best talker. He had like one of the best characters and uh, his work, especially across from Dusty Rhodes, it just made you interested in him at a time where ECW didn't have exactly a lot of interesting characters. Mm. I think this was when uh, RVD was out with his injuries. So you had your Justin Incredibles, you had your Jerry Lynn's, you had your Tommy Dreamer, your Sandman, your Rhino's and there was Steve Carino. So I think he fit he fit that main event scene at the right time for them and only other Steve Carino I enjoyed after that was the the uh, <laughs> the Steve Carino who acted like being a heel was like having an alcohol addiction. And he was trying to go through uh, rehab, and he recruited Jimmy Jacobs to be his like rehab sponsor and stuff. And then eventually it leads to the final battle, 2011 match with Kevin Steen, and that leads to Scum. I enjoy all of that. That stuff in Ring of Honor was cool. Mm. This middle portion, I'm so so. I liked his stuff with Homicide because that that this feud with Homicide really puts Homicide on the map. I think it's this feud, the Samoa Joe feud, and the Cucavano feud that really built the legacy of Homicide in Ring of Honor. So, and I, I just like how they use Steve Carino as a catalyst to direct homicide because they go on a long feud this starts at like the the first the, the I think the first anniversary of ring of Honor and yeah. then all the way through until like 2000 the end of 2006 or middle portion 2006 2007 they're still feuding like this is this is something that kind of leads into different feuds for homicide I think it was through the Carino feud he gets into his Joe feud you see the connections between his Carino feud and his Cabana feud right now so this is I like the way they use this feud to kind of tell other stories.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I can I can appreciate that, uh, definitely. Sort of like, you know, the more, you know, sorry, pun not intended, the more old school handing Carino, um, you know, helping out sort of like move this feud forward. Yeah, I can I can appreciate that definitely, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Carino. But sort of how, like Shelly goes, Andrew. I mean, is he probably someone... I mean, he's had some cracking matches, he's been in some great stuff, but as far as potential goes, obviously we all know him mainly from, you know, sort of like his early ROH work, stuff like this, and then obviously the Motor City Machine Guns, and obviously his tag team with Kushida. But yeah. do you feel like there's a lot left on the table? I know he's just come back recently and you know he's been headlining PWG this past weekend and stuff. Do you think there's a lot left on the table with Alex Shelley? Because obviously he was off doing university and the like. And do you feel like he could have he should have been a lot bigger than he actually was?
1: I I I think that's a fair assessment to make. I think it's more so it depends on what Alex Shelley actually wants to get out of himself. Like he even stated, uh, I think it was er- earlier this year, like before the Impact show, um, when, when he got when he pulled himself from the show. I believe um, he, it was more so of a thing where it was his health and his uh, his work, and he he didn't want to like sort of mix the two, and you know he he sort of wanted to stay stay out of the weeds. Going while you know, of course, by the pandemic was still no but it, it, it is still it's still a thing but you know it was more rampant uh in January opposed to what it is now it's uh, getting more control more under control but with Alex Shelley man i like i i think it's a thing of as far as his potential goes i think he did or or is doing everything that he could do or can do um right right now he seems like to be the guy just on the independent scene who's helping out all the younger talent ty- 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 yeah. or younger than him and he's just like really gotten in a way like I, I know he has a match coming up with um uh with ruby soho for beyond wrestling i'm looking forward to that like you say he headlined pwg last night against bandito uh which was uh you know november 21st but yeah uh, alex shelley man like just looking at his career overall i i think that would be like a good um alex shelley would be like a good like profile topic to go back and look on when you think about everything that he's done in pro wrestling like you mentioned the team with Kushida um the, the he had a that that brief run in the dusty rose tag team classic early to, um early 2020 uh that seems like a lifetime ago uh the tna <laughs> run uh stuff with motor city machine guns even when their recent run in tna that was uh somewhat brief but yeah alex shelley is definitely that, that that's a good question I, i'd be interested to hear like a sort of like a panel discussion about alex shelley and like what it would he what he means to wrestling and, and I, I but i think it would be even more interesting to hear like wrestlers speak about alex shelley because i'm pretty sure they have like nothing but you know the highest praises for him uh just as a talent and i i remember me and you talked about this uh i I think it was several podcasts ago when we uh i think it was chuck taylor who joked to johnny gargano he was like i'm gonna go on aw dark and steal all your alex shelley moves or something like that he was making fun (laughs) of gargano stealing alex stealing shelley moves and stuff like that so yeah, man, but Alex Shelley, like, I, I definitely think he's gonna be one of those guys. You, you know what? I I know GCW just announced they they're doing like the indie wrestling Hall of Fame. Yeah. Alex Shelley should be in that. Alex Shelley should be in that. Mm. You, if you're looking at if you're looking at people that have made such a great impact um, from the early 2000s to where we are now, and especially now what he's doing now, like Alex Shelley should definitely be uh, in that class. If we're looking at people who' are gonna be like independent wrestling Hall of Famers.
0: Yeah, I know uh, Colt Cabana used to say quite a number of times on his podcast, especially around sort of like oh five, oh six, sort of time, he said, you know, a lot of people were sort of like, you know, borrowing or, or stealing, you know, Alex Shelley's look and his moves and things yeah. like that. And he seems, yeah. he seems to say like he's quite influential, Sid.
2: Yeah, I think Alex Shelley is probably the most underappreciated of a lot of the independent Mm. legends or pioneers that we talk about a lot like i definitely uh do peep uh what chuck taylor is saying about johnny gargano's (laughs) offense when you look at johnny gargano's (laughs) offense and you look at ali shelley from especially this time period you see where johnny gargano got a lot of his Inspiration or influence uh, from there. So, yeah, I I would say that he's a guy that should have probably achieved a bit more. I mean, it wasn't until like later on and even in his like first run with TNA that they even put like the X Division Championship on him. They never went all the way. Chris Saban became the TNA heavyweight champion. They never went all the way with uh, Alex Shelley. And Alex Shelley, I would say, was arguably more popular and more charismatic than Chris. Saving at his peak in uh in TNA. The stuff that Chris Saban was kind of Getting lost or being one of the X Division Guys, Alex Shelley was standing Out among the pack with the uh, Paparazzi production stuff With with Kevin Nash like His humor was there, he was A good talker, he can wrestle With anyone in the world I think Alex Shelley uh, Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Andrew and I'd love To be a part of that if y'all decide to put That together, is talking about Alex Shelley and how underappreciated He is for how he's been and one of the more influential independent wrestlers of all time.
0: Oh, I'd definitely be up for that and Alex Shelley deep dive at some point. Yeah, let's uh, let's make that happen. But as far as this match goes, you know we have um, Nana outside doing some interference, which allows uh, Shelley to do the roll Poncarino, But it's all about the after match angle with a homo- homicide coming out with a bottle of Drano, which I'd search and it seems it's some kind of bleach, American bleach. And uh, he goes to put it down Crino's mouth, but Colt Cabana knocks it out of his hand, and then Homicide turns to Cabana and pours the Drano down his mouth, oh. forcing Colt to make himself sick. And I thought the commentary was hilarious. here. The, you know, the Drano could kill him. This is murder. Oh, he's going to die and all this other stuff. And I was laughing my head off at that. But, yeah, pretty disgusting scenes here, Andrew, with, uh, you know cabana spewing you know especially when we're uh looking with the uh eyes of 2021 in a pandemic spewing everywhere yeah, and
1: the <laughs> all over yeah I, I like that the, when the, the drano stuff like i actually went to go uh look like m- more so get a better idea of like what that does i was just curious and like yeah but when he put in his like Dr- drano supposedly dissolves hair really quickly so like i, I saw so yeah. me yeah, so, so so like I I think it makes a lot of sense to like I, I'm sure like of course the hundred percent that was not legit real Drano they probably no. <laughs> you know, it, they, they put pull, pull, pull something out and, and put something in there but like it, I I think it made sense for, for the story context of you know you are in Drano with somebody's hair because it immediately dissolves hair like like instantly like you will probably be bald as hell like in like five minutes with like messing with Drano but yeah I I, I think it was a, a a cool, cool little post-match angle, um, you know, like Sid, like Sid said earlier, further, further the story between Homicide and Steve Carino. And uh, I, I think it did what it needed to do. And, and, and shout out to that Julius Smokes appearance.
2: Yes, the best ROH manager of all time, Julius Smokes. No question.
0: And then uh, backstage, you've got a um, friend of the show, Gary Michael Capetta. He's there with a... Uh, I totally forgot hey, about yeah. his other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gary Michael Capetta. Uh,
1: plug, plug, plug that, Martin. Plug that, man. Don't let that go back.
0: Yeah, me and uh, Benno did a really cool interview with uh, Gary Michael Capetta where his internet broke down. He had to go into a library and he got told off by the librarian for uh, letting his mask go <laughs> underneath his chin. It was hilarious. Some great stories from Gary talking about when Mick Foley lost his ear in Germany. And the like, so definitely go and check that one out. But, um, yeah, he's here. he's a uh, backstage interviewing Jay Lethal, who explains that he turned on his mentor Samoa Joe all because Joe was making more money than him. He's good. Could tell uh, Jay Lethal was new to the wrestling business here because he didn't realize that uh, headliner guys were making more money than him. But uh, anyway, we're on to <laughs> the uh, four corner survival match. It's Samoa Joe against Chris Daniels, who's got Alison Danger in his corner, against Jay Lethal, against BJ Whitmer, who's got Lacey in his corner. And obviously the big story of this match is Joe trying to get his hands on Jay Lethal, who had betrayed him earlier in the year. Um, Joe comes out even with the TNA TNA X Division title branching off his his shoulder. But, um, I mean, early in the match, you know, we do see people tag in, you know, to become involved in the match, but then as always happens in these four-way matches, all hell breaks loose. It essentially turns into a tornado match. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, Joe's offense in this time period is awesome, just smashing up lethal. I was a huge fan of Daniels around this time and obviously, you know, the best moonsault in the world and the like. And, you know, we even get Alison Danger and Lacey, you know, forearming the living shit out of each other. And Pretty wild match. There was a lot of fun, you know. But Joe, in this time period, you know, Joe with the blonde highlights in his hair was just absolutely brilliant acid.
2: Oh man, I, I I love this time period for Joe. Like this was in TNA. He was just on a on a roll coming off of the three-way, the five-star three-way at Unbreakable, beating AJ Styles to become the X Division champion. And that's another brilliant matchup that a lot of people don't talk about. And in this period for uh, him in Ring of Honor, he's in between two different feuds and you kind of see it in this uh, four-corner survival because him and Daniels, pretty much been feuding everywhere uh for quite some time Mm. but uh they were in the prophecy together in the early days of ring of honor and then uh joe became the world champion and uh christopher daniels couldn't deal with it because that's something that he was never really able to achieve especially here during this uh first run so their animosity had been going back and forth but both now were baby faces but still they had that animosity between each other and then i love the the story between joe and Jay lethal because that was like my introduction to lethal in ring of honor was him being the young boy the young lion of samoa joe so to see him start to grow start to have confidence in himself it made me realize like i pretty much have watched jay lethal's entire career from these these early days being mm. the young lion in uh roh to his time in tna to going back to roh and his rise there becoming the the top dog and one of the roh goats like uh lethal has a has a a career that definitely another person that uh deserves his own deep dive because of all he's gone through and outside the ring of course uh but yeah this is great time for joe joe is unreal he's just a he's just a superstar like everything about him from the entrance to the way he walks to the ring to the way he carries himself to the way he wrestles he comes off like a superstar bj whitmer it was cool to see him in this one as well because uh this is like like his younger days uh before he goes into probably the the career-defining feud of his his time in Ring of Honor, which is him and Jimmy Jacobs, which that's a whole uh, yeah y'all do y'all need to do a whole podcast on the BJ Whitmer Jimmy Jacobs uh, uh feud because i feel like that's the most underappreciated ring of honor feud of all time but uh these this is a really talented uh assortment of of guys in this four corners survival and i like how ring of honor at this time always use these multi man matches to progress whatever stories they had going mm-hmm. on so this accomplished just goal here
0: yeah definitely they were you know it was like you said everyone had sort of like you know a link to each other. it wasn't just oh, let's throw out a bunch of guys for a scramble match i mean it did descend into a scramble match but you know everyone was in there you know with some kind of link to each other and, and a reason to be fighting each other andrew
1: yeah for sure uh i 100 percent agree with both you guys especially on on samoa joe so I, I think joe just throughout most of his career uh if not all of his career he's been one of those wrestlers man he just has a presence and like he's always carried that with him throughout every promotion and every company that he's been in. He always has that like superstar s like very serious, and you want to take him. You want to take him serious, and of course, he backs it up in the ring with his moves. That like Joe for Joe to be his size, especially during this time period, and to be as agile as he was. And like one of my favorite moves of his is that power slam, like that quick turnaround power slam that he does. Like we've seen uh I think Dustin Rose does it and, and Cody Rose does it and, and quite a few other people do it in wrestling. But I don't think anybody has that snap on it like Samoa Joe does. Like it, it is, like I like when he does it, I don't even think he catches the dude all the way. He like flips their leg and like just flips them all the way and just like tosses them to the same. Like Joe jo is like one of the, especially mm-hmm. during this time period, man, just one of the most interesting people to watch um, in, in the ring. And I did, I did like the story between Jay Lethal and, and Samoa Joe, um, Lethal continuously sort of um, looking up uh, at Joe in the corner, every time something happened, like every time he did something, he would always, uh, you know, put, like in 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 a storyline contest, would cost himself the match because he would always waste time looking at Joe, trying to see where, if Joe was coming at him or not. So I think that was a um, that 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 was a solid story that they told. But I mean, like just, just on um, on, I, I know uh said briefly touched on it, but like just the, on on Jay Lethal, like especially because with everything surrounding him right now, uh, it, it does make it difficult to uh especially what he's doing now to like really enjoy what he's doing especially with the you know the allegations that are out there against him um that, that have came, that came out last year um like it, it just makes it real difficult for me uh as someone who's seen him early in his career to sort of um in, enjoy um what, what what he's doing going forward without you know because nothing has been addressed and he hasn't came out and put anything out since the initial um speaking out statement last year. And of course the stuff with Kelly Klein. So, and I had talked about this with way um, when we did the daily news update. Like, I just think it's like, I, I, don't, I don't think it's um, a, a signing that should have been made until something was clarified or, or something could have been clarified doing that. Uh, he could have spoken up and, and said something doing that post-show media scrum after he debuted. I think that would have been the perfect time to do it right off the bat. But um, like, like, again, I, I think it's just difficult for me to enjoy Jalito now because like, it's just that cloud looming over him. And I don't think I yeah. will be able to fully enjoy what he's doing uh, until he comes out and addresses, you know, the allegations against him. I, I, I just it, it, it's just difficult to, um, to, to to enjoy. So I, I just wanted to uh, make, make mention of that.
0: No, I think there's a lot of wrestlers out there that's like that, Andrew, you know, obviously you know yeah, that's always sure. it's always tricky when you go back watching these older shows, you know, where it has been people who were in, you know, even named or had allegations made against them in speaking out. Yeah, it's always tricky when you are watching these these older shows. Um, so moving on with the show now, uh, backstage, guy Michael is there again This is interviewing the embassy, who basically say 20, 2006 is going to be their year, and we're on to Ricky Reyes against uh, Davy Andrews, which is um, more of an angle than than a match, really. You know, Davy do not get anything, in yeah. here. They even go backstage where, you know, we see an upset Steve Perino says he's out of ROH, you know, due to the Dreno incident and an unsafe working <laughs> environment. And then, yeah, Ricarino's going, oh, with OTT there in that interview, and he? he's like, I'm out of here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, it's hilarious. Um, but uh, obviously, they go back to the ring, and Reyes just chokes out Andrews. Uh, with a dragon sleeper, uh, you know, a nothing match to get across that Ricky Reyes is bullying the ROH trainees. Austin Ares runs out and says he's sick of Reyes picking on the trainees, and Reyes is only over when he's drunk, and Julius Smokes ends up dragging Reyes to the back. Um, yeah, so mm. more of an angle than a match there, really, with, uh, with Ricky Reyes.
1: Um hey, my, 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 I wanted to uh, you, you would it, I wanted to ask y'all, like, was this? Was this uh, uh, and this is sort of going back to the to the last match? I I, I meant to say it, my my bad. But um, like, what was this around the time when? what like, there was like that, uh, like, because I, I know Christopher Daniels, he had the X division title, I believe, in that last match. Like, what was it? Was this around the time? Yeah, no, there was uh, Joe when, had
0: it in the last match. That, 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 Joe, okay, that was Joe had it. it yeah.
1: yeah, but what, 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 was this around the time when? Okay. Like, I, I know you had mentioned it earlier, Martin. When uh, it, it was either like TNA they didn't want their talents working with. Uh, Ring of Honor, and I think that was like one of the reasons why Daniels had initially left uh TNA was because of that thing. I th- I think it was something involving Rob Feinstein. Like he had like a scandal or something like that. Yes. I, I, th- I think that was either this year or what, what, see, see. Was that was that 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 two thousand five year or was that a year prior? Like it, I was, know, it, was a, it, it was it was like a big big thing.
2: I, I want to say it happened in two thousand four, and then it came out in like two thousand six. Because I know uh, okay, two thousand okay. two thousand six is when they. Well, no, it came out in two thousand five, actually, because that was why Daniels had originally left the company, and then right. he comes back to feud with Punk when Punk when Punk becomes champion. And I think in two thousand six, that's when they basically put the put the stamp on AJ and Daniels working in uh, in ROH, and then come two thousand seven, that's when they do it for Joe. Because I was at Joe's last ROH match in New York at for with morishima in two thousand
0: seven.
1: Mm. Okay,
2: cool.
0: Yeah, because wasn't wow. it like um around two thousand and four that Feinstein sort of like resigned from the company, but then obviously yes. TNA yep. TNA were always a bit funny with uh Ring of Honor, not just because of that. You know, there were a few times where they let people from TNA go and um have matches in Ring of Honor and then they'd go oh, now you go our contracted guys. So there were a few times where mm. around this time period mm. they were obviously letting them you know, because I think Generation Next even appeared on TNA as well. So, yeah, you know, it was around this time that they were, you know, letting them appear on there.
1: Sure, for sure. Like, I, I just wanted to uh, get y'all thoughts about that. But, like, with, with davy uh Davy Andrews match, he he only wrestled like one year. Like, I I think, I think this was like, what, what wasn't this his last match? Like, ever? Maybe. I, 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 I think certainly it was his not last a name
0: match. I've I've thought of since uh, two thousand and five. That's for sure.
1: He, yeah he, he wrestled like he, one year yes I I, I I yeah as i say did, did you ever uh did you ever get a chance to like see or, or find out what happened to davy davy andrew because dude been off the grid <laughs> since 05 since I, like i legit think this was his last match ever in wrestling
2: i thought i thought like this was uh like davy richard's original name when they first said the the, the stuff i was like is this davy richard's like original name and stuff and then i saw the guy's face i was like i've never seen this guy ever in my life i think this is the only roe show i would ever see him on so yeah uh i don't know what happened the legend of davy andrews
0: I'm just—I've just fetched up cage match now, and he was wrestling loads in 2005. He was um, all over okay. Ring of Honor, Chikara, um, IWA Mid South. But yes, Andrew, 2005, according to Cage Match, was his last year wrestling. So obviously, uh, you know the matches that we never got, Davey Richards, the Five Star Classics that we missed out from. Uh, sorry, Davey Andrews. Yeah, <laughs> you got me on the <laughs> you know, Davey Richards chain now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, enough about it. Davey Andrews and his, uh, you know, the missed out opportunities that he had. And, uh, yeah, so we were straight on after Austin Aries came out. You know, obviously he was out with his tag partner, Roderick Strong. And um, it was um, them fighting for the tag team titles, um, the champions, the Tony Marmeluke and uh, Sal Raniero. And, uh, I mean, Raniero gets hammered in the start of this, doesn't he, by Roddy Strong chops and tag team moves until, like, Marmaluk, you know, eventually gets into the ring and starts bouncing around with austin aries and stuff and then um, it's weird because i i don't recall because you know i was watching bits and bobs or roh around this time period i don't recall this tag team from uh Rignaro and tony marmaluk is this something that um you know is fondly remembered in roh Sid? Uh, well it just
2: started uh, a few shows before that at uh joe versus Cole Kobashi is what they said so they literally only held the titles for maybe two months Uh, but it's basically just about three shows they held the the titles for and yeah I wasn't it wasn't the most memorable. The only thing that I do remember is uh, Sal Renaro being in Ring of Honor around this time, because when I eventually do see him all these years later on NWA Power, I was like, yeah, I remember him from the ROH old school days and stuff. And this was cool to see like Tony Mamaluke, who didn't have the best run in uh, WWE. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, was more of like just a manager in WCW with the Tony Mamaluke character. And wouldn't have a good run in WWE when he went for uh, WWE C W. It was cool seeing him here, where he's treated like an actual wrestler, and he's going against two really good wrestlers. And another moment where I felt really old was them talking about Roddy Strong's young career and saying that 2005 <laughs> was a breakout year for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely felt old seeing you know, a young Roddy Strong. Yeah, you know, chubby, yeah, but...
2: chubby Roddy. My my, my my friends always make fun of this when they see Roddy now. They be like, "Yo, Roddy the the old Roderick Strong ate this Roger Strong like that. That old Roddy <laughs> is thick. He is thick."
1: Matt, so like seeing Sal like Sal looks so different now. Like even like seeing him back then, like seeing uh seeing him now, like in twenty twenty one, what he's doing with the the national wrestling alliance. He's more like a manager. Uh, more, more more than he's doing wrestling hey, it, it would be interesting to sort of uh, if somebody could get like a long form interview with Sal I'm interested to hear like his stories about his career overall and like so, sort of the trajectory that he has I, I think that'd be like a cool little sit down but yeah Roddy man like Martin I told you uh last time we did a podcast I know it was the, the podcast before last when we did the one with Chen yure Roddick Rod, Sean the work rate king this man is the work rate king and he throws some of the best chops some of the hardest chops like he he had Sal Sal Renaud's chest looking like lunch meat. It, it it was it was the best man. Roderick Strong is definitely uh de- definitely one of those guys who I always enjoy watch uh, watch to wrestle. Um even even in 05, like looking at him and seeing how like it it always seemed like Roderick Strong has always been polished as a wrestler. Like I don't I, I can't recall a point even when I go back and look at some of these shows. I I really can't recall a time where he he didn't seem like he was always on a top level like just in ring with this in ring wise and his, uh, his stamina gas tank. Like Roderick always seemed like he was just on go 24 seven. And he still seems like this. He, he still is very much that same wrestler. Like even now uh, when he does the stuff on NXT and 205 live, like Roderick strong, is, he, he I think he's one of those guys. Like when, when it's all said and done for him, he's going to be remembered as like one of the most like, like aggressive and somewhat complete wrestlers, just strictly from an in ring standpoint, I think I think a lot of people are going to look very fondly on Roderick Strong like, you know, when he decides to call it quits uh, years on the line.
0: Yeah, he was definitely on fire in this match. I mean, both him and Aries were because, I mean, who were the champions here? I mean, <laughs> I think it's a <laughs> complete, mainly one-sided. There was a bit of sort of like offense from Marmalade, but that was it. I mean, just completely one-sided for this match before they eventually beat them and uh, got the tag belt. So yeah, Paulo, Sol, and Tony, you know, we didn't get much in this match for the crowd seemed to love it. So that's, that's the uh, that's the main thing, isn't it? But shall we shall we get into the two matches that you know everyone's here for? It's uh, <laughs> first being first is uh, the new uh, ROH champion Brian Danielson taking on Marafuji, and uh, this one enjoyable. But when you go back and look at sort of like Danielson's body of work, especially in Ring of Honor, and the like, you know this one never really gets brought up that much, I don't think. And and I think it's a good match, but not a great one. I don't think. In early going in the match, I don't think they clicked that well, but I think towards the end of the match, you know, they built up the false finishes and near falls, and and I think they got the crowd really riled up, you know, towards the end of the match. But I start, I think it was a bit awkward start off with the uh, with these two. I don't know what you thought about it, Sid.
2: It felt like the Edison crowd wasn't as familiar with Marafuji, so they were not into a lot of his early on stuff, and they were mainly starting to build. You could tell this match was going to go like 20 minutes plus because of how they started off the match, but I thought they worked really well with each other Uh, Marafuji. Is just so 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 good at some of the stuff that he does, like the coast to coast drop kick, uh, the share a new way. Uh, just he's just so smooth in the ring as well, but he's not he's not the per- he's not like a lot of the Japanese stars that you always hear, like people like oh go out of their way to watch their matches like Okada or Hiroshi Tadahashi, even though I would say he's probably similar. I would say he's the Tadahashi of Noah in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. just the way he worked with uh. Um, point. Yeah, just the way he worked with Brian Danielson, you, they just had a nice flow to it. Nothing looked sloppy, nothing looked disjointed. This was just two great professional wrestlers having a very good matchup. And I, I felt like this is a period for Brian Daniels brian danielson although before this show he's had great matches he had great he had a 75 minute match with austin aries he had uh you know good matches with aj styles he had a, a series of good of really good to great matches with homicide but I feel like what he does in 2006 and beyond until he leaves ring of honor, is just so much greater than the stuff that he does prior to final battle 2005. So mm-hmm. this is kind of the middle portion where you can see Brian Danielson is starting to get the confidence in himself and really believe everything he's telling the fans when he says he's the best wrestler in the world, but he hasn't hit that next level where people like I, I, when I started taking the people to shows in 2006 2007 they they would tell me this is the greatest wrestler they've ever seen live and i think that he's putting it together right now but he's not there yet
1: like said both said both you and martin i think y'all had a great point about how this match was sort of structured and how it went like i think it started off slow and it you know it was sort of that uh feeling out process and then as the like you say like the final stretch the final 10 minutes they really started to pick it up, and you could tell they started to ramp it up a little bit. And even the crowd en- en- enhanced the match as well. They played their part. Um, like it, it, it was one part doing this match, man. With uh, Mirafuji, he snapped. that He snapped Danielson over, and he like I'm talking about. He kicked this dude like. Right in the back of his head. I'm talking about point of the toe back to his head, and like what we see often, we see like even wrestling matches today. Like the commentators were sort of exaggerate. They'd be like, "Oh, the point to the back of the head," and like it's like nowhere near the back of the head. This dude, Mirafuji kicked Brand right in his damn dome. I was like, "Oh my god!" Bro. I, I know that hurt so so yeah. bad. And like mm-hmm. like 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 I, I think the final stretch of this match was really 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 good. Um, the, yeah, much just like to uh, reiterate you guys' point. Um, earlier, I think it was more, more so that feeling out process early on. And then once they got comfortable, or, or, or maybe it was just, maybe that was just their plan overall to just gradually build to it. um But yeah, I, I think it was a, a a good precursor to the uh the main event that that, that everybody remembers very fondly.
0: Yeah, props to not going all out because they knew the main event was to come. But yeah, that that end stretch is fantastic. Obviously, uh, you know Dan, Danielson blocking that super kick and then you know hitting that German suplex, which they both roll flew, and then you know in and then ducking under uh danielson's lariat and then that back and forth a roll of attempts you know with finally danielson pinning him that was you know a fantastic
1: yeah. sort of like end to the match real, real, real quick martin who who does europe think they are charging all that damn money for the final countdown so so danielson couldn't use it in AEW. who, who do these people think they they, they just robbed themselves of big time streaming numbers like I, 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 I could not believe that they charged. like, I I think it was in the, I think it was, I, I remember I saw a dance and talk about it in an interview and I saw Tony Khan talk about it as well. And it, it wasn't even a thing of them wanting to use it. Like it was like, they wanted it like on a per show type thing. Like you can use, you can use X, Y, and Z for, for, for these dates, but it's going to be this much money. I'm like, who do y'all think y'all are? I'm like, like <laughs> but, but But see, the thing is like. And I, I, I was—I don't, I don't know why I'm going to, on a whole rant about that. I, I think it was because, like, when I heard the final countdown, I got ant, bro. Like, yeah, I was it, was, it I was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like, it, it's just the whole build to that—it's it, fucking great. But like, um, like, like I was trying to figure out. I'm like, they like, as a from a business standpoint, you would think that if somebody were to reach out to them about a song that came out, when was this? The '80s when that song came out. Like, yep. you, you, you would, you, you would think oh shit, like we, we got somebody that's going to be blasting our music on TV on a regular, like, hell yeah, take that. And you pay us X amount. But like, I'm like, yeah, wh- wh- whoever's their manager, they needs to be, they need to be fired immediately. Cause you just ruined the business deal. Like it, 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 it was, it was ridiculous, bro. I, I, I'm I not trying to go on a rant about a theme song but like this is like legitimately one of the best songs for professional wrestling. Yes. I, I don't know what like this song is just great. Like it's the whole build to it, and then of course Brian going to the top and waiting for the the big final countdown. Everybody's waiting for. Dude, I, I would have lost it if he would have um came out to that song at uh was that at all out um, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I i don't know I, I don't know why i just went on a whole rant about a theme song i apologize
2: but <laughs> to be to be to be fair with the way that song builds up they probably wouldn't have finished all out like, on time <laughs> 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 with him coming out as the yeah, final uh sure. thing but like ecw they had entered the sandman with the sandman's entrance they aew
1: shit, though they were telling me. Uh,
2: oh, these oh of course, here. of course, of course. Yeah, yeah that's what they did. Uh, AEW got, <laughs> got, got, got Judas with Chris Jericho. ROH had Brian Danielson and Final Countdown. It made me disappointed. I love the song and I love hearing them come out to it. But it made me disappointed because by the time I started going to the events, that's when the fans were singing the song with mm. it. So when you hit that Final Countdown and then the fans in Edison didn't sing it, I was like, aww. This is not that <laughs> era. Very, very
1: that you were hour. very disappointed. You yeah, very I was.
2: I was, like, I was like, y'all knew it was coming. Come on, they the It's still back. Come on, guys. What are y'all doing? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've got to oh, say, I got massive it. goosebumps, even with the cheesy gay lasers and all that other yes. stuff, you know, I still yes. got, like, massive... <laughs> he loved those fucking lasers, didn't he, Jesus Christ? Um, <laughs> he must, he, someone must have done him a deal on, like, um, a box of those lasers, because they were all over RH events, and even, I remember seeing, um, what is it, those WWN super shows that they do over menu Weekend, all over those shows as well, so he obviously is getting his money's worth out of them, but... Yeah, yeah, just love that entrance, proper goosebumps when it builds up. And yeah, such a shame that we didn't get the crowd singing along with it. But um, yeah, I mean, should we get into this main event? Oh my God. Kenta against Loki. I mean, have you got two better opponents that are matched up with each other? I mean, perfect for each other. Crowd is red hot for virtually all this match. Tons of stiff kicks, you know, as we go through, as you would expect, even like if you've never seen this match before and just... Brilliant build-up to the finale. My favourite moment of all this, though, was um, the commentary having to explain what the go-to-sleep was of uh, Kent as uh, finishing manoeuvre <laughs> Yeah, CM Punk was taking notes on that one, wasn't he, Sid? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, CM Punk. CM Punk sitting in OVW, like, oh, that's what that's how you do it. You lift them on your <laughs> shoulder. Okay, cool. Yes. Uh you can see a lot of what um both Brian Danielson and CM Punk took yeah. from Kenta in this yeah. matchup. Yeah,
1: yeah. no, nah, for sure. No, nah, I I definitely agree with Sid. Like uh further at this point, you can definitely see that, like um Brian does that. What was it, the bicycle knee? Yeah, you, you kind of see he, he he does that and he he sort of re- really popularized that like K- Kenta, man, like he he, he 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 has like a legitimate gripe to be one of those people that's like, oh, yeah, you stole my move and, and people still moves all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like moves, get moves, been getting recycled for, for years in professional wrestling. But like Kenta, Kenta has like really created some stuff that has been used by names who have become some of the top names in the industry like K- K- i think kenta is one of those dudes man like he like he, even when he uh not to go too far off topic but like even when he was in uh wwe like the, the, man the, the way they presented this like, they they sh- they shipped this dude off the 205 live and i was like y'all are treating this dude like he is like some regular smegular like guy coming in like yep. this dude is like legit one of the most established talents in the world and like they just brush them off to the side but like just, just go, go, going back to this like i i definitely agree with what that uh K- kenta is definitely an innovator in the, in the business as far as uh moves go and, and techniques go and uh, uh a specific type of style and wrestling goes
2: and even yeah. i was gonna say uh not to interrupt you martin but even like uh <laughs> like you can see in brian's match he does a lot of like european uppercuts but he focuses more on like holds and submissions he wasn't doing the mid kicks that he does now. He mm. took that mm. from
0: he took that Not from the Kenta combinations, as well. yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think he took that from Kenta as well. So yeah, I think I think Kenta is an influence on a lot of like the top names of the past two decades.
0: I think yep. it is such a shame because obviously, you know, his body had quite broken down by the time he signed with yeah. And like we noticed, you know, Brian and Punk had, you know, borrowed let's be nice here, borrowed, uh, you know, a lot, of his, <laughs> a lot of his big stuff and gotten it over as their own stuff in WWE. Yeah, so I did feel fairly bad for him, you know, because that WWE run was uh, was awful for him, wasn't it? You know, but he couldn't wait mm-hmm. to get out of there. But, I mean, back to this match, though, what's great about it, you know, we have prolonged periods where Loki's on top and then Kenta's on top, and but the crowd are quite behind Kenta, to say, sort of like Loki's the ROH guy here, Andrew. Yeah,
1: the, the... Crowd definitely was behind Kenta. Uh it it, it, it I man, crowds being so amped up, it just it just takes matches to another level. Like even when you look at some of the best matches to ever like when you look at some of the best matches to take place in the last two decades or the last decade like the crowds always play such a big role in that man. Like the, and with, with Lowkey and, and, and Kenta Martin, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like when you, when we first started talking about it, like you couldn't find two people that were sort of made for each other. Like they, they both are physical as hell and they both are stiff. So like, I, I think when you have two people in the ring like that, who like that similar style, who are physical and they like beating the shit out of each other, for lack of better terms, it's only going to turn out great. And, and I think the crowd just reacted to seeing them just take it to each other. And like, it, it was, it was one spot, um, uh, I'm pretty sure you guys probably thought, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you guys probably thought the same thing, but Kenta, his agility, man, like he, he like, he, he mm. slingshotted himself off the top rope, immediately jumped back up into a springboard and then did a, he like a kick off the top rope. I was like, like, for, it, it, it was, it was just the, the, the swiftness in which he did it. I was like, man, this dude is like so unreal. Like for him to like, he, like he literally jumped over the rope in one smooth motion, jumped right back up and then did a springboard off the road i was like this dude kent is unreal bro like he is legit unreal
0: oh yeah definitely i mean even just the last five minutes of this match i mean obviously they're both worn down and you know the of the effects of sort of like all the brutal kicks and that but when you know kent uh you know runs up looking for that knee and then uh loki catches him with the key crusher for a two yeah literally diving <laughs> off marsetti and that wasn't even the finish and then Obviously, you know, you know, we have the teasers of the go to sleep and then, you know, that bit where they're both doing the striking combos and stuff. And then, you know, Kenta does finally, you know, in with the go to sleep and, you know, Kenta's so out of it that he's having to reel around on the rope. So he can't quite get the cover. Just absolutely fantastic stuff. I was just diving all over my sofa. i would seen this years ago, but going back and watching it now is just absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah, I loved, I loved how just like, like you said, like the fever pitch of that finish and just it kept escalating in intensity, just how yes. hard they were hitting each other and just like certain moves that you see a lot and it seems like very contrived. I will give credit where credit is due. Loki did that double stomp out of the tree of oh, war wow. better than anyone. It
1: better than see, anyone talk like, to him Sit. oh the, my goodness talk to just, him bro talk just the way him. kenta
2: <laughs> kenta like is look like he's like struggling to get up and he's right. trying to like catch catch uh low-key out of the tree of war like do like a belly to belly out of it just the see way the they the both see they the both of them did that just made it look so much better than any yes. double stomp out of the tree of war that i've seen
1: dude that I, I I literally had to jot that down. I'm so, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That was like one of the I I I don't know why. I don't know why that got me so cuz like Martin is say I'm pretty sure we we've seen like current wrestling like when people do the trio well and they like hold onto the ropes. I'm like, "Bro, that doesn't make sense. No. Why are you why are you holding on to the ropes? Why are you giving him a chance? Why are you why are you giving him or her a chance to literally double stop you and create more force cuz you're holding onto the ropes and like like what, 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 what low key did would make so much sense is he like, um, he, he like grinded his foot into Kenta's yeah. knee and, and, and like, d- d- like not even just in a wrestling sense. If you're, if you're in that position that somebody's grinding your knee, you're going to try to force yourself up and like, ace hey, you know, and hey, Kenta, like Kenta rolls up and then like, was like checking on his knee, trying to make sure his knee was okay. And then by the time he rose up, Low key was already taken off in the air and did double stop. I was like, that is so perfect, bro. Like, that is it, it, it's like, like little stuff like that, like, adds so much more to a match, man. Especially when you go back and uh and watch it because, like, I, I've i seen this match before, but I, I have I didn't really pay attention to the details like I did to it. And um, and and, and this, this go around watching it, man. And it was th- this match was so great. And then, like, just uh, going back to what uh, Sid was just saying with the trio, spot like do little stuff like that it, it adds so much to the overall uh feel of a match like when you see stuff like that that makes sense like it's, it's like immediately comes to my mind it was like okay if somebody's grinding their foot in your knee you're gonna like immediately get up and check your knees like what's going on like literally by the time Kenta did that uh low was already in the air and stomp stomp the hell out of him hey that, that, that was just a great spot
0: it was. And great selling of the arm by Loki. Yeah, I don't know if it was, you know, for real, you know, but he certainly felt it, you know, with all the kicks that he'd received and things like that. And obviously landed on his arm numerous times. What I did love was the escalation as well, because obviously... Um, he gets um, Kenta for 2 do doesn't he hitting the falcon arrow and he's like oh that didn't work I'll go and do a super falcon arrow from the top row see if this works <laughs> just a complete escalation and just absolutely I'm going to watch this match again after we finish this. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely true. fantastic <laughs> just yeah just absolutely brilliant I mean I don't think there was any real doubt I mean, even if you'd never seen the match before that you know Kenta was going to retain here so I don't think Loki you know was was going to be picking up the, uh, the the title here but yeah, just, just that escalation and just how they both felt the effects of the match after. And it wasn't just the like, oh, I'll hit my finisher and then dive on him for the finish. That he really sold that, you know, the him hitting the goat sleep had taken so much out of them and, and things. Yeah, just absolutely fantastic stuff, brilliant. I mean, oh Low key in this time frame, just one of my all-time favourites and just such brilliant matches that we got out of him. And yeah, I mean, such a shame about him being, you know. The the way he is now, but you know, um this time period just yeah, one of the one of the all time greats during uh, 05, oh five, oh five, oh six for me
2: that was that was the nicest way to say someone's acting like a dumbass right yeah. now
1: yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah. there you go. My, 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 martin is very professional man martin is, great, martin is very professional very professional only when but... you're
0: talking about your faves andrew but uh, yeah <laughs> obviously uh, what is it all the anti-vaccine stuff and that sort of stuff anti-mask or yeah. whatever yeah that can that can get out of here but yeah oh five low key can get in here but um yeah, I suppose um, we're sort of coming up to the end of the show. And um, yeah, just any final thoughts, uh, Andrew, on, on, on this ROH card from 2005?
1: Man, th- th- this was a fun show. Like, I, th- that's pretty much the way I could sum it up. It was just good. It was just good going back and watching it. Like I, I always get nostalgic going back and watching some of these shows, especially comparing and seeing where everybody is. It, it, it's always fun to compare and like see where everybody is now. I always think that's a uh, that that's really one of the cool things of going back and looking and looking at some of these early two thousand shows, whether it's ROA, TNA, WWE, uh, you know, New, New, New Japan, whatever it may be. I, it's just a cool thing, man. And it, it, this show was it was a good time, especially these last two matches. Um, I I think that uh, that four corner survival matches is, is underrated, probably the most underrated match on the show. Um, Joe jo showed out on that show. Um, I showed out in that match. I think the the tag match for Roddy Strong and Austin Aries uh, versus Sal and uh, Tony Mamaluke was really good. But 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 man, this 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 Kenta and Loki match uh, stands out uh, above all uh, in this card. What you think, Sid?
2: Yeah. Uh, far and away, that's the match of the night. I mean, I, I liked Danielson and Marifuji. I liked the tag title match. I liked Claudio and Nigel, but low key, and Kenta was just in another class of his own, the way the crowd was invested in it. And it felt like you could feel the big match feel before the belt even rung. Like for someone who was new and had never seen Kenta before, you could tell the fans knew he was a superstar from the way they reacted to him. and it just gave this this match just a different atmosphere than every any other matchup on the night. And I, it was really cool to look back on this show because, like I said, my first live Ring of Honor event was Final Battle the following year. So to see, okay, this guy was here, this guy was here, they'll eventually get there in a year, it's really cool to kind of look back on, on this stuff. So I, I appreciate you guys uh, including me on this week's podcast to watch this show back and talk about it
0: no thanks for coming on mate we really really appreciate it and uh yeah definitely be up for looking back at some more roh uh, that man-, man mayhem one show i mean that uh fantastic uh loki yeah. on the side tag match that was yeah love to go back and look at that but um as for uh as we head out of here uh, what other things um have you been up to i mean we mentioned the survivor series interviews and stuff uh, what other podcasts and stuff have you been doing recently sid
2: well, every uh, week I am over on the Wrestling Daily YouTube channel. Wrestling Daily is a uh, sister or under the Wrestle Talk umbrella. Uh, every Monday and Wednesday, I'm on the Wrestling Daily YouTube channel at 3 p.m. Eastern time. On Mondays with Sat E. Uh we do Mocha Mondays, where we talk about all of the weekend that was in wrestling. On uh, Wednesdays, me and Alex McCarthy, the OG Daily Boys, Uh, We talk about the latest wrestling news or anything that went down on NXT 2.0 or anything that's to come on AEW Dynamite. Uh, Sports Heat Wrestling, like I said before, I do the Smack Talk uh, review every Friday after SmackDown and Rampage with Rick Uchino and the legendary Dutch Mantel, as well as the pay-per-view previews every month with either Kenny Bolin or someone from Wrestling Media. I've had Andrew on there before. Surely I got to get Martin on there for sure as well in the future. And then my real mainstay, my, my lifeblood is the True Hill Heat uh, YouTube channel. That's uh, the YouTube channel that I create with my friends out here in new york we do daily content daily live streams in about an hour and a half i'll be going live over there uh when we're filming this at least uh i'll be going live over <laughs> there for our survivor series roundtable review uh so it will be up by the time you guys listen to that uh every saturday 11 a.m eastern time we go live with our flagship podcast true Hill heat with myself miss chrissy love top guy jj i also do a review show where we go back and Time, but a little bit farther than Ring of Honor to the Monday Night Wars between WWF and WCW. And we review both shows. So, a bunch of different things that I do on YouTube or podcast wise. And then I do some writing for Sports Keto Wrestling. I do future writing. And then I do some featured writing for Wrestle Talk. So, as far as if you want to read an article or see a podcast or see a YouTube show, I am somewhere. I'm somewhere where you could where you could find me. So I always appreciate the support. Also, always appreciate being on platforms like Post Wrestling with all the great stuff you guys are doing, the NWA podcast, Wrestling Adventure here. Uh, you guys are awesome and you guys are doing even more content now. So I love seeing you guys grow and love seeing the wrestling media game grow the way it is and being a part of it. For sure,
0: Mate, well, I am I am absolutely exhausted hearing your schedule, but <laughs> That's all fantastic stuff. There's a reason this guy is out there so much, because he's one of the best, and we really, Thank really you. appreciate 100%. you coming on here and, and, and joining us. Obviously, a true, great honour for me and Andrew to have you on the show. Andrew, what about you? Um, Andrew, interviews and obviously your uh, updates for post. Have you got any interviews coming up uh, anytime soon?
1: Yeah, I actually got an interview uh lined up this weekend. Uh, I'm very excited for you guys to see it. I'm gonna I'm I'm keep it up the wraps from now because I, I, I like I gotta make sure we, we still hash out the details. But it's looking like it's gonna happen. So um be be sure to check out the Andrew Thompson interviews YouTube channel for that, and everybody can uh, check out my written uh written work over at postwrestling.com. Um, of course, uh, continue continue to check out the Bushman Thompson Wrestling Adventure podcast. Always enjoy doing this monthly. Uh, with my guy martin and, and uh martin uh, I'm, I'm i'm hearing i got some got some sources indicating to me that we got some special plan for next month you know i haven't been able to confirm it though
0: oh yeah we have andrew um uh, yeah obviously there's uh we're coming up to christmas so we do some exciting stuff around christmas so there's going to be no bushby and thompson at the end of december instead we're doing a special big fat wrestling quiz of the year we're going to have yeah. three teams of two <laughs> it's going to be you and uh you and miss kate from montreal it's going to be benno and uh, andy ogden and then davy portman and john cena representing up next uh, i'll be asking the questions um, and we'll also have some special guests uh from members of the post universe so something fun to uh end the year off with but i did want to mention uh, obviously we advertised that uh, benno was going to be part of this show but um sadly, um he had uh you know real life work commitments and he got held up at work so he couldn't join us but um he's going to be back uh with me and andy ogden we'll be back in a few weeks with the british wrestling experience but um final final plug obviously go and subscribe to true heel heat on youtube like i just have and um but trying to get the post youtube up to ten thousand subscribers subscribers by, by christmas so if you haven't Get the lads up to 10k for Christmas. Currently around eight and a half to nine, I think. So, uh, so if you've not subscribed yet, post wrestling and obviously True heel Heat wrestling. Because Sid, it has been an honor. You've been a fantastic guest, mate. We we'll definitely have to get you back on here sometime soon. Um, if your if your lovely wife will uh, let you out, uh, to come, on, <laughs> come on our podcast with all the other stuff you've got going on. But thank you so much, mate. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and an honor.
2: Uh, thank you guys. It's been so much fun. And I am I am ready to watch more Ring of Honor. So whenever you guys want me back, just let me know. We'll make it happen. I'll I'll put in an appointment with the wife.
1: For sure. <laughs> uh, and go, go everybody, i uh, just reiterated it again. Go subscribe to the, the True Hill Heat Patreon on top of their YouTube channel. They do a ton of good audio content, video content, like highly recommend. Uh not 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 just saying that because he is here, they do a lot of great work. They pump out a lot of content. So if you definitely looking for your dose of wrestling and you're looking for different opinions, different takes, definitely go subscribe to them, man, and go support them, man. Uh a, a diverse group of people. Uh they 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 have a, a very core cool group of people there, man. A lot a lot of black people being spotlighted on that channel, uh, especially on their Patreon subscription service. Um de- definitely go to subscribe to Chew Hill Heat. It's definitely worth your money and uh a good good people you supporting as well. Thank you, good definitely. brother. Definitely.
0: Definitely. And definitely a lot of sort of like uh, diverse and unique shows. So definitely get on that. And um, yeah. So without further ado, thanks for listening. We'll be back with, um, with British wrestling experience, um, the second week of December and then the big fat wrestling cause of the year at the end of December. And, uh, we'll catch you then.